Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke. Just got back from the Uncharted Veterinary Conference. It was everything I hoped it would be. It was so wonderful. I am emotionally, mentally, completely exhausted. And that's why I'm glad we got this episode in the can before the conference. I think you're really going to like it. I'm going to go have a nap. Enjoy. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we're back. It's me and Stephanie. What about us, Goss? <laughs> oh, I love it. How's it going, oh, Andy? Let's just, man, this is a big one. Let's just, let's just get right into it. Are you good with this? Let me tell the story. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So we got a veterinarian. Let's call her doc- Dr. Smith. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Dr. Smith is struggling because last week, one of her technicians who's worked with her for, uh, let's say, seven years, gave two weeks notice. And she's already, you know, short up at the front desk. So uh, so the technician is leaving for a corporate practice that offers health insurance. And she, uh, Dr. Smith, can't can't do that right so uh so this is a technician that came started working early in life say 18 years old started with dr smith been there seven years so now she's 25 she just finished up um a licensing program technician licensing program mm-hmm. and and dr smith is hurt uh, i think that you know uh, uh, or or struggling a bit about like hey you know, I've invested in this person. She's been here a long time and now she's leaving for this other practice and giving me just two weeks notice because, you know, because I can't, I can't give her insurance. Hmm. And so let me, let me just, let's just call it that. And we'll just put that on the table. What do you, what do you think about that stuff? Oh man. So I think Dr. Smith is not alone. Nope. Um, I think I've heard this story, different, different faces, different parameters, different um, specifics, but I see the same question getting asked over and over and over again in our, our field is like, why, why are my people who I've invested in leaving and what can I, what can I do about it? Really are, are kind of two, two of the questions that I think there's a lot in that example to un to unpack um because there's a lot of a lot of questions there. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. So all right. So let's let's start with Dr. Smith. Um okay. is she completely is it understandable why she would struggle with this, do yeah. you think? For sure. So I think I think um, one of the first questions that that I see get asked a lot of the time is, well, I got two weeks notice and they've been with me for seven years, 10 years, whatever the time frame is. Is that an acceptable frame? Is that an acceptable time frame? Um, And so I think that that that's often question number one. And I think people are questioning that because they're making it personal. And I think when you take the question at its, at its most basic level and you look at all of the, um, you look at all of the journals and all of the business magazines, I think the hard reality that we have to all figure out how to swallow is that 
two weeks is giving you notice. Two, two weeks is A, an acceptable time period, and they are giving you some notice. They're not walking in and quitting on the spot and saying, hey, today is my last day. And so I think where it becomes a challenge for us, particularly in the veterinary field, is when we make the notice personal, when we step outside of the time frame. Right. So, okay. So that's the first thing is I, I'm, I think this is completely understandable. And this is, this is something that I, I personally uh, struggle with and, and you, you're exactly right. I think that, um, making our relationship with staff, like staff and management, making that personal is very much a double-edged sword, right? Because we we like these people, especially when we work shoulder to shoulder with them for 40, sometimes 50 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put in this time and we see them grow from a young person into a le- less young person or, or you know, or, or say that they're here for 15 years. You know, we see it. We have a big chunk of this person's life. We, we're with mm-hmm. them. We're sharing their life. We discuss our home lives. We get to know these people and we get to care about them. And so mm-hmm. I think that you're exactly right is um, I think we start to to see our work relationship as a deeper relationship, which is a hundred percent understandable in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I talk a lot about our team um, and, and how we pull together and we look out for each other. The fact that we're a team and we pull together, and we look out for each other. And then you're going to give me two weeks notice that you're leaving. Those things don't, they don't emotionally jive for right. me. One right. of the other things that I see a lot of practices doing, and this 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 makes me I I, I worry. Um, I don't like the word family in right. practice, and I I understand it, and like I do care about my staff. I care very much about them, but if 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 I walk around like, oh, we're a family, we're a family. I can't imagine my brother giving two weeks notice that he was leaving the family <laughs> to go live with the Rankins <laughs> down the road because he gets better insurance there. Like, I can't, like that's not how family works. Right. But that's a hundred percent how practice works and there's right. nothing wrong with it. It, it is right. that. So right. I think that, you know, we, 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 I think we we do at some level, a lot of us, because we're very big hearted, compassionate people and we work shoulder to shoulder with these people and we want to feel that way. So we start feeling like we're, we are a team and I use that word all the time and I, and I think of it that way. Um, but we start thinking of, 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 a, of a family and we start thinking that we're friends with the staff and they're our friend and a friend isn't going to give you the minimum notice required by law and then go cut you out of their life for a dollar an hour somewhere else. Like, and so those are the thoughts that we have, I think. And that's why we have this pained response, this emotional response. Do you agree with that? Is that what you're talking about when you say it it gets personal? Yeah, for sure. I, and I, and I think, I think that that is, um, we were creating our own reality there because we, we are working in such a close knit environment and we're working long hours and we're working in emotional situations. And so you build that connection between the people that you're working with so much faster than if you're working in, um, you know, a cubicle office building, right? Like there, we, we acknowledge, I am acknowledging that we exist in a completely different environment. And at the same time, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, okay, your, your brother's not going to go leave and live with the family down the street over health insurance. 
And at the same time, the reality is, is that regardless of the relationships that we build with our people, life happens. We don't, we're not operating in a bubble. They have families, they have children, they have spouses. Um, and the, the reality is, is that there is always going to be constant change. And is if as a practice owner, as a practice manager, as a, as a leader, whether you're in corporate practice or private practice, if you can't accept the reality that all of us have lives and those lives are constant and have constant and never ending change, you are going to drown in your role because the reality is someone always moves. Someone's spouse gets a new job and they get, they get relocated. Someone's choosing to have a family or to um, have, you know, family that they have to take care of. There's always some reason that people's lives change. And part of having that give and take relationship with them is supporting that and acknowledging that, that they have a life, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I just wanted to start off and validate the feelings of the vet and say, I, f- I feel that, you know what I mean? I, mo- none of us, none of us are robots. And, and I, and I really love the point that you made, which I hadn't considered, but it's totally true. We rely on each other in the trenches in a way that people working in cubicles next to each other do not yeah. like my texts have saved my bacon many times. Oh, and sure. I hope that they would say the same about me. Uh, we, you know, we, we have, we have really pulled it out a couple of times and we have really been through some stuff together. And so that, that does sort of bond us together and bring us together. And so I totally get why this is difficult for the vets It's difficult. It was difficult for the people who who stay, who feel like, like they've, they, um, they've left, but I don't know. It, this is, this is something that it gets me in trouble at, um, at conferences sometimes when it comes up and we talk about it, but I'll, I'll just say it here. Um, I think that it's, I think that it's healthy to remind yourself as a doctor that you're not friends with the technicians and people really don't like it when I say that sometimes. Um, but, but let me, let me give this quick caveat. This is just purely me getting in a good, healthy headspace to deal with exactly these types of issues. Um, when I say I'm not necessarily friends with the technicians. That does not mean I don't care deeply about the technicians. Yeah. That does not mean I don't want the best of the world. It doesn't mean I would not go for the, to the mat for them. I absolutely will. Um, I'm not friends with my children. I have a different right. relationship, right? Don't think that I don't care about my children. I totally do. It's not the same relationship with the technicians, it, but it, it, it's a different it's a doctor technician relationship as opposed to a friend uh, relationship and people go, but you can be their friend too. And I say, well, here's the thing, right? If my friend told me that he was going to totally call out from work and, and uh, fake a sick day, I wouldn't say anything about it. I'd be like, Oh, well, that's what you're going to do. If, if my friend went to work drunk one time, um, I, you know, I'm not going to call his boss up, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally, if my friend came and bitched about his coworkers, I would be like, oh yeah, dude, I'll totally be a sympathetic ear. Right. None of that stuff flies with my text. Like there, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that. Nope. <laughs> like yeah. I have, I have a different loyalty. Right. And the other thing is my friend is not going to come and tell me that he's leaving in two weeks. And so your texts don't want to be your friend. Because they need to have that ability to function as, as staff members, right? As people who have their own interests. 
And again, don't think that I'm being some heartless guy. I'm definitely not. I have a great relationship with my technicians. I, I deeply care about them. And I think if you ask them that, they would they would 100% back me up and say, oh, yeah, he cares a lot. I really yeah. do. It just for me, it helps me to remember they're not my friends and they're not my family. They're something else. And yeah. I care about them, but it's a different relationship. And I just think for all of our health, we should get comfortable with that idea. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. That The other piece of it that I think um, plays out here is that when you have – when you have a family, when you have a family feel, when you're viewing your team um, as a as a family, or or you're looking at your relationship with your um, team as as a friendship. When I'm friends with someone, I expect a certain amount of I I expect to create a relationship where there is a certain amount of loyalty between the two of us, where I would. Um, I would do things for them that I might not otherwise do where I would um, stay or go in situations where I might not otherwise. And so I think where I hear a lot of um, practice owners, practice managers really struggle is that sense of, well, we're such a family. If we're a family, why don't they, why aren't they loyal to me? Like the loyal thing would be for them to stay because they see that we're shorthanded because they know that I've put them through tax school and we've invested in this training. Like we, we look at that from a place of loyalty. And when you have a family, you, you expect that loyalty. And I wouldn't say that that's wrong. And I think that is the danger in looking at it as a family is that, the reality is, is in a, it's a business environment. It's a, it's a transactional situation. And the, the reality is, is that everyone needs to do what is best for them and for their family and for their life. And so that may not be staying with your hospital. That may not be a loyal choice. Um, and you're tying emotions and feelings to it that don't necessarily need to be there. I think when you look at it from that family perspective. So let's flip this over to the other side and just lay it out really clear. Um, is the technician doing something wrong in your opinion? No, absolutely not. I agree. Uh, I, it's like, I, I, I'm sorry. This decision no. is a hundred percent justifiable. Uh, you know, I, I, is that, that's why I want to say, I understand the emotions that the vet is going through. I, yeah. I do. Um, I, this technician is not doing anything wrong guys. This is just, is just a real world. You can't fault somebody for leaving, for health insurance. Like no. that's just the way it is. No. Yeah. And, and so I would say it's, it's interesting because I got, I got super geeked. I got super geeked out and super excited when um, we started talking about this topic because it is, it is something I'm super passionate about. And it's a little bit of a soapbox for me as manager, because I think that one of the skills that I have developed over my, my career is the ability to, to look at this and take a very practical approach to it and acknowledge the fact that life happens. And mm-hmm. so when someone comes into my office and I, I almost always know it's going to happen before it happens. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's a measure of being able to really read this situation. I, it's been a long time since I felt um, like it came out of left field when somebody gave me notice, but when they come in and they sit down and they're like, you know, I'm going to have to give my notice and they tell me what their reasoning is. My response is always, um, 
you know, okay, that, you know, I'm excited for you, whether it's a new job or they're moving or they're, you know, even if it's a family thing, it's coming from a place of support because the reality is you guys, you can't control that. And if you try and control it, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And this is where my practice owners really, really need to listen um, and learn from the heartache that I've experienced over my, my career. If you, if you take it all personally, you are going to kill yourself at the end of the day. Like it is going to drown you. If you take it all personally, you have to let go of it and you have to be able to say, this is not personal. This is them doing what they need to do. And there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. And it, it becomes, it becomes so much easier. And that's not to say that it's not still hard. I sat in in my office um, last week and had this exact same conversation um, with, with an employee who I really, really liked and was giving me her notice. And it was still a hard conversation, you guys, because I, I care about her. I like her as a person. She's funny. She's warm. She's friendly. She's a real asset in the practice. And so, yes, I was I was sad. I was sad for our clients. I was sad for the team. And at the same time, she's doing what she needs to do in her life. And so the easier choice for me is to say, that's that's great. What can I do to help support you in this, you know, in this transition? And it really makes the the process so much easier on both sides. You can't get caught up in that emotion of taking it personally because it's it's not. Yeah. One of the things that helped me get get my head around this and not take it so personally is um part of it is is the difference in what money means to our staff, right? To to techs yes. and, and to support staff. So there's two times that money really matters. The first is um, if you know what other people make. Yes. So if, if, if you know what other people make, then money tends to, and this is, this is based on, on behavioral research, right? So this is not me just philosophizing. This is, right. this is backed up by, this is backed up by some science. Um, if you know what other people make, then it becomes about a competitive thing, right? Or, or it's a value thing. And suddenly what you make, it, it matters a lot more. So that's the first reason. Mm-hmm. The second reason is, um, when a dollar an hour raise will change the way that you live. Yeah. That's when money matters. So um, money matters when, when you know what other people make and there's some comparison uh, stuff going on in your psychology. And the, and the other part is when a dollar an hour will, will change the way that you live, that then money really matters. Mm-hmm. And so people go, I can't believe this technician would leave for a dollar an hour. And you're like, dude, you pay her $14. $15 is, I mean, that's a, you know, an 8% raise. Like that's a, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Especially you start talking about a $2 an hour raise. You go, wow, you know, that's 16% raise. Like that's, that's a, that's a chunk of change for a technician, you know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, the difference in 15 bucks an hour and 18 bucks an hour, um, that's going to be 30,000 a year versus $36,000 a year. Like yeah. those are, those that's a big difference. And you go $3 an hour. It matters. Now, great. I mean, if you're a veterinarian, you make a hundred dollars, uh, you know, you make a hundred thousand a year getting a hundred and five thousand dollars a year. Maybe it's, it's not going to be nearly a big a deal as a vet making 22,000 versus 27,000 a year. Like those, those are just not comparable in their yes. importance. Yeah. And so, yeah, 
And, and I think that that, I, you know, this is, this is where it's going to get hard and it's going to get uncomfortable, but I, I think we have to talk about it, you guys, because I've had this conversation time and time again with veterinarians and you just hit it on the head, Andy, and it is such an uncomfortable conversation to have as a manager with veterinarians. But the hard truth is that so many of our teams, especially in some other areas of the country. Like I, I'm really blessed living here in blessed and cursed living on the West coast where, um, you know, the cost of living is significantly higher, but our wages are significantly higher commensurate with that. And so I think about some of my colleagues in other parts of the country where licensed technicians, people who went to school are making $12 an hour. And when you think about the difference between supporting a supporting yourself or, even more so supporting a family or supporting a, as a single parent, supporting a, a child or children on $12 an hour comparative to, you know, 15 or $16 an hour. That is a significant life-changing difference for some people. And that's not to say I am, I am not acknowledging, I am not putting down the idea that my veterinarians who went to school who have, you know, $200,000 in student loan debt and are struggling to pay their bills. I'm not saying that you don't also have the challenges. I'm just saying that the the life changing difference between five or $8,000 more a year um, hits so much heavier when we're talking about our support staff than when we're talking about our veterinarians. And so it is, it's a really uncomfortable topic for a lot of people to talk about. And so I often see people just pushing it under the rug because we don't, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to acknowledge that. And I think that we're doing ourselves a disservice because I think if we don't talk about it and we don't figure out ways to address it, there is always going to be this question. You know, we're going to keep hearing Dr. Smith asking why why is this a, why is this a big deal because we're not talking about it yeah no i i think you're i think you're totally right so the um the two things that i sort of push people to get their heads around is number one is understand the financial realities for the sport staff yeah and and that should blunt blunt the blow a little bit you know when yeah. you say oh I understand why he would leave for a $2 an hour raise. That's a, that's a big thing for him. And you just, you cannot fault people for making, for making, for making that jump. You just, you just can't. The other, the other thing that I think really trips up a lot of us is the assumptions that we make about the future. And this is just something that I see is a pitfall that I've seen people go into again and again and again. And I just, let's just, this is really, it sounds really cold, but I'm just going to put it on the table. Um, do things for your staff and do things for your boss because you want to do them, because right. they're right for you, um, because they make sense. Do not do them because of something that you imagine will happen in the future. You know, do not take call five nights a week because you imagine that you're the practice owner is going to sell you the practice in the future. If that's not, if that's not part of the deal, if that's not down in writing, you do not, it didn't take call because you want to help them take call right. because you want the experience take call because you're getting paid at a level that makes you think that this is worthwhile or, you know, it makes sense. Right. But if you do this because you think at some point in the future, it will come back to you in my experience 
you are probably setting yourself up for um, for a lot of anger and resentment. Yeah. And it's the same same thing with with the doctors. If you're investing into a technician because you think that this will mean that she'll stay with you for 25 years, um, that's not fair to her. And yeah. and I think that you're setting yourself up to be really angry when life happens and she leaves for whatever reason that she leaves right. for. Yeah. Yeah. I I see that a lot. And I, I think I think that, that that was part of the example. And I think that this is most commonly where I see it. I see it a lot when um when practices are supporting their team and they're paying for school or, um, you know, particularly with, with, um, technicians where, where they're sending them through school, whether it's an in-person program or it's online. And there's this expectation of, um, indentured servitude almost that, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for school and then you're going to work for me forever. And even if, even if forever isn't part of the deal, even if it's a, you know, I'm going to pay for school and you're going to work for me for two years or five years or whatever. The reality is, is that life changes every day. And so can we expect, um, some level of repayment? And I think that the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think that often in our industry, I see the repayment also tied to an emotional component, and that's what I think is wrong. I don't think that there's anything wrong in having a contract with our team and saying, "I'm going to support you, and I'm going to pay X amount of dollars financially, and that's what this is. This is what that's going to look like. You know, if you, I'll, I'll wipe it away if you work for me for X number of of years after you complete your program or X number of months after I pay for your board or whatever your contract looks like. I don't think that there's anything wrong with defining that from the start, having an open and honest conversation with your team about what you're going to give and what you're going to expect to receive in return. Where the problem lies is when you tie that emotionally and say they're choosing to break this contract, therefore I am hurt emotionally, so I feel like they're a bad person. And I see that happen time and time again with with practice owners who are just like, "Well, I paid for school, and you know they're ba- they're bailing on me to go to the practice up the street because they're going to get two dollars an hour or more or, or whatever the the issue is." You're not you're not mad. I mean, you are mad because you're you paid you spent the money, but really nine times out of ten, where the anger is coming from is that emotional piece of feeling like I invested in them as a member of my family and as a person, as someone that I care about. And so I'm tying that emotionally um to their decision to to leave when their decision to leave is probably a very rational um life centered choice and has nothing to do with with you emotionally as a person. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is People don't get upset about what you give them. They get upset about the difference between what they got and what they expected to get. Right. And, and you're, I mean, you're exactly right is, uh, if we set the expectation, it may not be written down anywhere. It may, you may have never articulated it to another soul, but if your expectation was, I, you know, I paid for this person to go to tech school and they're going to be with me for at least 20 years right? and then they leave after four. Um, you're going to be angry because the expectation in your mind was 20 years. That may have been a wildly unrealistic expectation, but it was still your expectation. And so the point too is um, know that there's a minefield here about your emotions and you need to set your expectations. It, it, well, first of all, you need to decide what your expectations truly are. 
Yeah. And then you need to articulate them to the person and you need to do it up front. And yes. everybody needs to be clear about what your, you know, what your expectations are and what the other person's expectations are. And if yes. you can't get on the same page, then this is probably a bad idea. Yes. Yes, I I agree a hundred percent, and I'm a huge advocate for um, I'm a huge advocate for supporting my team, and and I actually um, pay for school and for training beyond just my technical staff. I do it for my front desk support staff too. I'm I'm a huge advocate for continuing education and for um, training, and I'm also a huge advocate for it being very clear and transparent from the start. And so. I have it all laid out and I have a, I have a contract. Um, I have a, an ag- agreement and it spells it out in black and white. And we review that before anybody enters into any of those situations. And we decide what are the rules going to be. And sometimes, sometimes the rules change because sometimes somebody's really upfront and they're like, look, I'm, um, you know, right now I, I live in an area where we have a, a naval base. And so we have a large transient population with military, um, with team whose spouses or partners our military. And the reality is, is that there's an expiration date on their ability to be an an employee for me. Does that mean that I'm going to not invest in them and, and maximize the potential during the time frame that I have them? I think that there are vets who would choose to say yes to that question. And my answer would be, that's idiotic. Like I'm, I'm cutting off my nose to, to, to spite my face. Like I, why would I not still invest in them just because there's an expiration date? Wouldn't I rather have an amazing rock star employee for the time that I have them versus a mediocre employee? Because I'm afraid that at some point they're going to, they're going to, they're going to leave us. I, I just, maybe that's a, you know, this is a little bit of a soapbox for me, but I just think that that's such a dumb choice. Okay. (laughs) We need to unpack this a little bit because here's, here's what is happening. You and I are up here and we're saying, we're like, look, you cannot fault technicians for leaving for a $2 an hour raise somewhere else. And you need to be okay with that and that idea. And at the same time, we're saying you should really invest into your technicians. You should put these resources into their growth and development. How, because you and I both believe both of those things. How do you square those two things? Let's just be real clear up front. How do I square those two things? That that we have to know that technicians are not, or support staff in general, we cannot expect their fealty for you know for their for their yeah. life. They're not going to be with us until they retire, uh, um, with rare exception. Um, yet we're going to invest into them. Okay, I square it. Okay. Um and and maybe this is a a rational a rational brain way of looking at it, but but the, the I square it with with facts cuz I'm a, like a detail person. That's important to me. I have to have the information and there've been a multitude of studies that have been published, but um the Harvard Business Review will say the average worker or employee stays at a job now for 4.6 years. And that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics report that they're pulling from. So I look at it as, okay, our culture has shifted. People are not starting at a job straight out of high school and staying there until they retire and collecting a pension. Like the reality that was our our parents or our grandparents' 
um, reality is not the same landscape that we're existing in as business owners, as practice managers now. The reality is, is that people come and go. Our team is used to people coming and going. And we, we know that because when we look at when someone gives notice in practice, if you look at the team's reaction, separate from the ownership or the management's reaction, often the team is like, oh, hey, that's awesome. Congratulations. Like the response is often um, people driven. And I think that that's because they're used to their colleagues coming and going. Um, and I think we as as owners and managers, a lot of the time haven't caught up. But the reality is, is that we need to because eventually someone is going to is going to go and you can hide your head in the sand all you want. But the reality is, is that people are, are going to come and go. And so secondary to that for me is that if people are going to come, if people are going to come and go, why would I not still want to look at having, having the best um, team possible in the time frame that I have? Right. I mean, how do you how do you how do you square those two things up in your head? So the way that I square them is, is this: um, people are going to come and go, but the frequency with which they come and go is something that we can absolutely control, or or, or that we can at least we can influence a lot, right? Okay. We've all we've all seen practices where the most senior person there has been there a year. Uh-huh. And we've all seen practices where the most senior person has been there 10 years. The sure. practice where people have been there, you know, at, at the practice where I work, Cleveland Park Animal Hospital, we've got a couple techs that are in the 20-year marks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they've been there 20 years. And so does that mean people never leave? No. We have we had a technician put in put in notice a, a week ago that she was going to leave. And she's a great tech and we'll miss her. But um, so it happens. It happens with a whole lot lower frequency for us than it happens to other people. The reason because of that is because we invest into the technicians as well. And so um, investing into them, look, um, there's a couple things that, that motivate that motivate anybody, but they especially, I think, motivate our support staff. Um, you know, we don't pay our staff what they're worth. And I dream, I always say, I dream of a world where techs get paid what they're worth. And that goes for their front desk too. Um, I, I, I want that. I hope that we're working towards that. That's a big deal for me. Yeah. Until that happens, what are the big tools that we have to retain these people and to help increase their longevity with us? We need to appreciate the heck out of them. We need to tell them how great they are. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that they feel like they're valued. But then the other thing is we need to continue to let them grow and learn because that by itself is a massive reward. It is super rewarding to feel like we are getting better at our job, that we're learning new things and we, and we don't get bored because we're, we're picking up new skills and we're developing. And that's something that vet medicine has that a lot of other professions don't have. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the great things about being our profession is you can always get better. And so Mm -hmm. this helps it helps develop the individual. It keeps them engaged. It makes them feel like there's a path forward. And that is yes. one of the main reason that they will leave. They'll tell you it's about the money. And they're right. They're like, I can get right. so much more money anywhere else. Right. That's true. But it was also true last year and five years before that. They're leaving now because one, they're not getting paid with their worth, which has been right. true. But they also don't see a path forward. And that's a big deal, feeling like they're in a cul-de-sac and just walking in circles as opposed to climbing on and exploring a path or a trail. 
that continued investment and that education, that is the path and the trail. So we can increase retention. You have to know it's never going to be hundred percent, but, um, but we can do that. And so some will stay, others will stay longer. Um, it increases their performance. I am working with a more skilled team yes. on a day-to-day basis because we have invested this training. And again, they will leave at some point. Some of them will go. But until that day, we are doing better medicine. I am delegating to competent people. Our clients are having a better experience. Um, I enjoy practice more. You know, yeah. I enjoy practice when I work with competent, skilled people as yeah. opposed to me working with people that I don't trust. And I'm training all day, every day just so these people leave because they're not getting paid and they're not developing. Right. And then I have to train right. somebody else. And it's, it's, that's not a fun way to practice. Right. And the last part, and people can roll their eyes at this or not, but I swear to God, this is true for me. Um, the point of life is to lift other people up. Right. At the, at the end of the day, guys, that's what I believe. Like, that's, that's the reason that we are on this earth. And so education and development for me, um, it does lift people up and it opens other doors. And one of the things philosophically that I sort of had to get my head around is this idea that, um, that my team or that the practices where I work, um, they're pass-through stations. Like we are all on a journey in life and we all pass through different points and mm-hmm. people will come and they will pass through my clinic and they will pass through your clinic. And some of them will end up going to the specialty hospital because they love working in a specific area and they've grown to that place and their skills are that place. And, and the specialty hospital can pay them more than we can, or yeah. they will go and they will go into industry and they will go work with, uh, you know, with a, with a pharma company or with a pet insurance company or, or whoever else. And they will travel and they'll see the world and they'll present to other uh, technicians or support staff or doctors And like that, they were just destined for greater things. And if anything, I have chosen to take pride in the stepping stone that, that I or my practice or my team were on their way up. And yeah, I wish that they stayed with us, but ultimately that's not in the cards. And so I'm just going to feel good about the reputation that, that we have as a place where people go and grow and develop and they either they love it and they stay and they keep developing or they move on to bigger things because of what they learned with us. Yeah. And and I think I think that that's totally true and I think I I practice the same way and I think the reason that I the reason that I choose to look at it from that approach comes from my own experience um as a as a technician and and um as a you know first time veterinary industry employee at my very first clinic, you know, they invested in me and they paid for me to go to school and they gave me a lot of amazing training opportunities and learning opportunities. And and I was with the clinic for almost five years. And when the time came, I had been growing and I had been stretching and I had been learning as a, as a baby assistant manager. And the reality was, is that they had an office manager who um, had been there forever and was not close to retirement. And so I hit a point where there was no more upward mobility for me and I was never going to be able to um, make that next step that I wanted to make or that really I, I needed to make in, in my own um, career growth goals. And so when an opportunity came at another local practice to step into a practice manager role, 
um, I took it and I was so empowered by the response of my practice owners who were sad and who were bummed and who were like, you know, yeah, we're, we're losing, um, we're losing a chunk of awesome. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I do for the clinic and, and, um, that I was running and they looked at it very practically from that approach, but their response was, Hey, we're super excited for you and, and you're ready for this and you can do it. And they were so positive. And so, um, the gift that they gave me with, with standing behind me and pushing with, with both hands, even if I, knew that they were, were sad about it. And I, I acknowledged, you know, and they, and they asked me, they said, okay, you know, you're going to leave. These are the things we need from you to help keep our clinic running smoothly because you're leaving. But it was done in, in such a way that I felt good about, I felt good about it. And that really gave me the ability to, um, practice that as I went along and really be able to pay it forward in that, in that sense of wanting to create that same experience for my, my team. Yeah. The, the other part of that strategically for all of this to work, cause I think some people are probably having anxiety hearing <laughs> us say this right now. Um, and I think the reason people have anxiety is because they picture this closed system where you get a group of people and you invest into them and then your best people leave to go to other things Right. And now you're understaffed and you're overworked and you think, oh my God, why did I coach these people up so they could leave? Right. That's a closed system. You can't, if you believe in what we're saying, you can't run a closed system. You have got to be continuously developing because you're going to bring Stephanie Goss up from being a baby manager up until she's amazing manager. And she's going to say, I want to do more. And at some point you're going to say, we've got an amazing manager who we retain because we've invested in her and she's very happy. Right. And she's not going to go anywhere. And so we don't have a place for Stephanie and Stephanie's going to leave and we we have to be okay with that. The only way we're going to be okay with that is if we have people in the pipeline, you know, that we can continue to bring up and have been bringing up behind Stephanie. And so what does that look like? What it, what it looks like is, you know, if we develop our people and we invest in our people and it's a good place for them to be, you know, I still believe our number one recruiting source is word of mouth. It's the people who work for us talking to other people and saying, this is where you should come. Um, I I think that that getting strategic about where future talent is going to come from, I think that's important. The vet world is small and and reputations are are well known. I do think that investing into your people puts you in a position where you can get more great people in the future. And, um, and, and that's what I'd like to say right now is if you're someone who felt like a practice invested in you and you came up and ultimately you went on to do other things or you moved or whatever, if you got a minute, maybe shoot a message to the person who you really felt like kind of mentored you and just say, Hey, I want you to know that you invested in me and I recognize it and I appreciate it very much. And you open up doors for me. And I, I think that's, I think that means a ton to people. Yeah, for sure. Hashtag shout out. <laughs> I I, I gotta I gotta shout it out man chicken cookie warner you guys were the best first practice that I could have ever I could have ever asked for and and they gave me so many gifts that I'm still you know I've been doing this now for 16 years and I I look at lessons that I'm learning with my own team and I think wow man I really learned some some good things and you don't you don't forget that and I think that it is important to look back and say hey thanks Thanks. Thanks for that. At the time, I don't know that I acknowledged it because um, I couldn't see it, but I definitely see it now. And I, you know, I, I see it with, with my own team. And I think that that's, I think that that's super important. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we, I think we've broken down 
the family piece of it, the loyalty piece of it. And I think we, we've broken down the, um, the cultural piece of it because people definitely do stay and culture, culture matters. And this, and the studies show that what about the, what about the, the two, the two hard pieces of it, which are the, the notice piece of it and the insurance piece of it. Cause we haven't really talked about those two, two things yet. And I think they're both important. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't, I'll tell you just real quick for me, uh, the notice part is if your contract says you're supposed to give two weeks notice and you give two weeks notice, then that's what the, you know, that's what we, what we said, you know, and, and notice is always a thing, um, especially as a thing for doctors. Cause here's why, um, because practices freak out about the idea of one of their two doctors or three doctors leaving. Yes. And then all of a sudden, that's a massive drop in your capacity to see cases. If you lose one technician and you have six technicians, that's, you know, a one-sixth reduction. Right. If you lose one of three doctors, that's a, a one-third reduction in, in right. the case that you can see. So doctors are a rate-limiting step. So I get that they freak out. And so I have seen stuff in contracts where they're like, doctors are supposed to give three months notice that they're leaving. And I get it. I get why the practices say that. I can tell you from the other side of the table as a doctor who says, this is not working for me. <laughs> um, the idea of giving three months notice and staying there and dealing with resentment uh, or anger or, you know, uh, th- like essentially the feelings that someone feels if they if they feel like they got dumped. Um, yes. Staying and working there for three months is is scary. And the other thing is there are some places that you worry that the practice where you're working at will be petty and that they will try to punish you for the three months that you're there and they will, you know, they'll give you terrible schedules and they'll just do these things like that stuff happens. And I'm sure that whoever you are listening, you would never do that, but know that that stuff exists in the world. And so, uh, and the last part is the veterinarian, if they're unhappy and they're going to leave, they're going to find another job. That job probably wants them to start, you know? And so waiting for three months for the vet to come, that's hard on them. So, it's got to be this balance of, I understand the clinic doesn't want to be left in the lurch and needs to find coverage or needs to find a way to go forward. At the same time, the veterinarian needs to go and be able to start another job and go on with their life and feel safe in giving notice. If you make it so stacked that, um, that they feel unsafe, they're, they're just going to break the contract and just say, I'm leaving in a month or I'm leaving in two weeks and you're going to be angry, but but what are you going to do? So so I just feel like that's a, that's a fight that I see a lot between practices and, and veterinarians. And I think yeah. it's the same for a technician, but I think, I think the stakes are a little bit lower. Uh, so maybe the, the battle is not as fierce. It needs to be something that works for everybody. And, you know, um, and if you've done a good job of laying that out and it's something that's fair and it's been discussed from the beginning, I think that's the best thing that you can hope for. Well, and I think on the flip side of that, I mean, you, you covered the negatives and I, and I think that that's important because the reality is, they happen. I think all of us are sitting here thinking about when someone gave their notice and you had that horrific last two weeks or that last month where it was where it was really toxic because they wanted to go where they needed to go and they were forced to, to stay. And that's a really crummy, crummy situation. And on the flip side to that, even in a even in a great situation, the reality is the the minute that you tell people that you're leaving you become to a degree an outsider because they start trying to figure out how are we going to function with without you? Because even if their brain is screaming in protest, like, oh my God, no, this can't happen. The reality is our brains are also trained to survive. And so we immediately start thinking about, okay, how are we going to do this without this person? And so 
when you step back and you can have that perspective and you watch it, it's interesting to me in situations where I have had people give more notice than two weeks or, you know, maybe they give a month or they have six weeks before they're going to move, but they tell you sooner, even in a, in a perfect world, um, where you have, it's, you're not burning your bridges, you're ending on a great notice they start to figure out how are they going to function without you. And at some point during that time process, there's two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, they figure it out and they're riding without the training wheels. And then you become uncomfortable because the dynamic shifts and it's not, it's not, um, you know, it's not vindictive. It's not mean. It's, it's just, it is what it is. And so you get left out of meetings, you get left out of, of, you know, conversations about what's going to happen in the future because it's not relevant to you. And it's not done intentionally. Like I'm going to leave this person out because I'm going to hurt them. It's just a matter of moving on. And that feels weird too. So I think that there's a really good balance between giving enough notice that, the company can figure out how to cover your commitments and um, function with the things that you were in charge of. And certainly as a doctor, um, you know, how am I going to cover my patient schedule? I mean, if you're a clinic that's booked, you know, a month in advance and you have a doctor that's giving you two weeks notice, then you have two weeks worth of appointments to reschedule. So I'm not minimizing the impact there, but I do think that there is also such a thing as giving two, two months notice. And I think that too much notice, excuse me. And I think that that can create some, some challenges of its own. Yeah, no, I have had that experience. Honestly, I, I remember, um, when I've left the practice before, uh, my, my family, my wife and I were moving and, um, a great practice. And I was so, I mean, I, I love those guys. I was heartbroken to leave. And I remember the first doctor's meeting they had that I wasn't really invited to. They were like, <laughs> well, you can come if you want, but I mean, you're not going to be either. Yeah. And like, that was like, that wasn't a, a thing for me. I was like, oh, oh my God. Like you guys have told, I think we all know that the practice is going to move on, but it's still like you see it and you realize you're like, you're looking into the past. You're like, right. this is, this is, this is bad. And the other thing I think most of us have had people who have given their notice and we wish they would just go ahead and go. Right. Like we have yes. had those people where you say, yes. forget, forget six weeks. You need to, yeah. you need to leave because you're not working. And all you're doing is talking about how much better the future is going to be at your right. new job. Right. And I don't want you polluting the yes. atmosphere with that mess, yes. you know? And so I don't know. I, I, I think, think that that's, that's, I think that that's super important. And I think that that, I think that it's, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because as a manager or as a practice owner, I want to acknowledge you right now and say there is n nothing wrong with acknowledging when that is the situation and saying, Thank you very much for your service. Here's your final check. You're you're free to go and cutting ties before they the the time frame of notice that they gave you. Particularly if someone is going to create toxicity during the time frame that they're there, there is absolutely nothing wrong. And I have worked in practices where that has just been their standard operating procedure. No matter what you're giving your notice for, once you give your notice and they figure out what do they what do they need to get from you to survive, then it's like okay, you're giving me a month's notice let's try and wrap things up by the end of the week and then I'll, I'll pay you through your month's notice, mm -hmm. but here you go, walk out, walk out the door. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing that either. I've seen that a couple of times and it has always been the right move yeah. when it, when it's been used. Um, there's yeah. been other people, like I said, I stayed at the practice I was at last time and, and worked out my time because I genuinely was happy. And yeah. my last words out the door were, uh, I'm gonna miss you guys. I miss you guys. You guys are, you guys are all lucky to be. It's such a great practice, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, um, 
for sure. You know, so anyway, you, you play it by ear. So the, the the two weeks, I don't know. I'm kind of ambivalent. I don't I don't have strong feelings one one way or another. It really kind of sort of depends. As long as as long as everybody kind of knew what was coming, um, yeah. I, I think that's okay. And the last thing is insurance. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm somebody who, and I don't want to get too philosophic on this, but um, you know, I think our we got a serious problem with with health care in yeah. the United States. Like we got a real problem. And um, the idea that our technicians who who put their health on the line and who are putting German shepherds up on uh, x-ray tables and who are worried about getting bit and who, you know, I mean, can tell you how many techs, and I'm sure you know them too. They got blown out knees. They got blown out backs from, you yeah. know, working hard and, and, and they make 15 bucks an hour and they, and God, they don't have health insurance, you know, like yep. that's, that's just, it's not right. It's just not yeah. right. Well, and I, and I often hear, and, and so, um, you know, I, this is a this is a hard one because I feel there are strong feelings on both sides and I can see both sides of the argument. And Dr. Smith would argue, well, I just can't afford to pay for insurance for my team. And I hear that. Yeah. It is expensive it, as a small business, particularly as a small business employer to my private practices who have less than 50 employees who are out there who are like, how in the hell do I pay for insurance for my people? Like that's a, you know, 20, 30, $60,000 a year commitment like that. It, we're not talking about, a, you know, $2,000. We're talking about when you add up all my people, that is a significant chunk of change. I hear you. And I would say that you can't afford not to figure something out because the reality is, is that time and time again, the studies have shown that this is important to employees and it is a huge source of why employees leave. And they have also documented the cost for turnover for our employees is as on your average middle level employee job is something like 20% of their annual pay. It costs us to turn over an employee in hiring and, um, recruiting and training a new person and the loss of productivity while you have that new person and they're still learning on the job. I mean, you think about the time frame that it takes to get somebody really up to speed and running things functionally in any position in your practice. I argue me that it takes less than a year to get somebody really, really running the ball smoothly. It's going to take you a year. And so when you look at that when you look at the cost to replace somebody over the course of the year's salary and you multiply that by two to five people on your team, are you not losing significantly more money by continuing to have turnover than you would be by um, paying for health insurance for your team? I would really argue that you are. And I would really argue that you need to take a strong look at what is it actually going to cost you to offer some sort of health insurance for your people versus the cost that you're spending in turnover. I I think this is a I think this is a broader conversation um, because I I hear what you're saying. I I think. Um, I think this is a whole can of words. I think this is probably another episode that we should uh, we should break out and talk about <laughs> and talk about health insurance. What what Fair I'll enough. say is. Um, just, just I'll play on the other side. And I, I do think we should, if, if people are interested, let us know. We got an email address. It's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Just let us know if you, if you, if you want us to unpack this, um, what your interest level is. But, um, but for me, I'll sort of take the other side a little bit and say, you just heard how much I, I think how important I think this is, uh, as a business owner, the, the soaring costs of healthcare and health insurance. 
I mean, they, you know, we're seeing double digit increase in premium for, for, for businesses and it just shoots up. And, and I tell you, it, it's, it's hard to project. It's just, like I said, it's the system seems to be broken. I, I think we're getting to a place where I, a lot of small businesses, I think it's a real massive burden to handle. And the other thing too is, and I put this back on, on the individuals, here's what my experience. And again, you, you and I are going to end on different pages, which is fine. Um, a lot of technicians, a lot of support staff, when you're making 15 bucks an hour and an employer says, well, I'm going to pay for your health insurance. The truth is at that level, a lot of people would say, just give me that money instead. Um, sure. You know what I mean? Which is sad. I mean, that, but uh, some a lot of people need that for other things and to make, uh, to make ends meet. Yeah. And so I have seen pushback from staff that says, uh, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I just want the cash. And so I've seen that uh, as a, from a business owner perspective and it, it is dicey. So I, I'm not sure it's so cut and dry. Um, but, I, but I, I think that your perspective is good. I think it, it's definitely something that business owners should consider. I, I think it's a, I think it's a thornier issue, but, um, I feel pretty good about our, our general discussion of, uh, technicians choosing to leave and how we feel about that. Are you good with that? Yeah. I think that, I think that this, this was fun. Cool, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. That was thanks, fun. Thanks for thanks, time. thanks for listening, guys. And and um, Andy, can you can you give everybody um, the email address one more time? Because we would love to hear from you guys about what kind of questions you have in in practice, what kind of um, challenges you're having, what kind of things would you like us to kind of unpack and walk through with you guys? Yeah. So the email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. So podcast at unchartedvet.com. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. And that's what we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. Maybe got something out of it. If there's ever a topic you would like me and Stephanie to cover, please just shoot us an email and let us know. Our email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And maybe we can just get into it at some point. So anyway, have a wonderful rest of your week. We hope to see you again soon. Take care.